Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Andy Johnson, and this is This Thing Called Life. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you are well. My guest today is a healthcare leader right here in Cincinnati, and she leads the number one ranked hospital in the Cincinnati region, and they have been ranked number one for the last seven years. And what is what I find most interesting about my guest is that she started her career at the same hospital 34 years ago. So we're going to dive in and talk more with her today. Um, I want to remind you that September is BMV Appreciation Month, and I want to take this moment to thank our licensed bureau employees from all over the country who ask customers every day the important question, would you like to be an organ donor? So I want to say thank you. Um, I know it's a tough job. You have a lot of information to get through with each of the customers, and we sincerely appreciate and value the role that you play in helping others to receive a second chance at life. So thank you so much. So with that, let's go ahead and dive in. And I want to welcome Debbie Hayes to the show. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm very glad to have the opportunity. Thank you. I'm really glad that you could be here uh, to join the conversation. You know, I want to talk about you because as as I've gotten to know you, uh, I find your career path so interesting. You began as a nurse at Christ Hospital, as I said before, and you've elevated and worked your way up to being CEO, which to me is just, I mean, that's such a huge accomplishment. And also you've led our board of directors here at Life Center Oregon Donor Network, for I think about nine, nine or 10 years, 10 years. Yes. Uh, which is also rare. So I wanted our listeners to really hear from you because you've just been such a change agent in our community and you've led these organizations long-term. So I just want to learn more and let our listeners learn more um, about how you maintain the passion for the work that you've been doing. Um, mm-hmm. So You were recently named CEO of the Christ Hospital after serving as interim uh, for a period of time. And Mm -hmm. just as an outsider looking in, it seems like healthcare leaders don't tend to stay put (laughs) in the same place for so long. What what is it that kept you at Christ all of this time? You know, Andy, that's a great question. And as you said, I started here 34 years ago as a student nurse aide. And the one thing that has always amazed me about this organization is that in all good organizations, you are given opportunities to grow and develop your talents. And if anyone would have asked me 34 years ago, Debbie, will you someday be the CEO of Christ Hospital Health Network? I would have never said yes. But because of the amazing team that we have here and the amazing opportunities and the amazing vision that leaders before me had, it allowed me to grow and develop my skills so that 
I could help the organization deliver on its mission, but I so I could also fulfill my personal mission. And that goes back a long way. I've wanted to be in healthcare since I was a little girl. I used to um, negotiate with my father, watch a, a, a show called Medical Center, which was the hot medical show back when I was growing up. And since that time, I have always known that I have wanted to work in healthcare. So, you know, my road here is fortuitous back all those years and the Christ Hospital Health Network has been just a wonderful place to, to grow myself all the while being able to help this community. Wow. I mean, that, that just speaks to the, the organization as a whole. I mean, to be able to do that and really grow and flourish um, in that place, I think just speaks volumes about Christ Hospital. Well, yeah, thank you. You know, that vision goes back all the way to 1889 when James Gamble, yes. um, who is one of the founders of Procter & Gamble, gifted a home to a woman by the name of Isabella Thoburn. And between the two of them and the civic leaders at that time, the goal was to create something that would allow the citizens of greater Cincinnati to never have to leave greater Cincinnati to get the finest health care. And that is a wow. legacy that we try to live out every day here at the Christ Hospital Health Network. And I am proud and privileged to be able to lead this organization to try and continue to keep that vision alive. Wow. So you've led this organization. What has it, what has it been like leading during the pandemic? You know, people ask me that all the time. <laughs> and it's probably one of the most challenging times in my history in healthcare as it has been for the entire nation and, and quite frankly, the world. But it has also been one of the most rewarding times because what I see every day is the extraordinary efforts of an incredible team of people working under the most incredibly difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And they still try and keep that mission of the organization at the forefront of everything that they do despite every challenge that has been put in front of them and some challenges that no one anywhere in the world had ever experienced. And so they are creative and innovative and just the work ethic of our our teams of physicians and clinicians and support staff is an absolutely um, testament to what they are as professionals what they are as our team members and their devotion to this community. Wow. And, you know, I see that you think about it. I see that in the life center Mm -hmm. team as well. It has been quite dramatic. All of the changes that life center has had to undergo during this time, but yet we continue to elevate our abilities to, attract people to, you know, sign up to be donors. And again, I want to thank all of our BMV workers because I was just there the other day. And I have to tell you, that's not an easy job. And it's an important question that is being asked. And they faithfully ask it. I watched Mm -hmm. every person that went through. They faithfully asked that question. So thank you to all those workers. But, 
you know, Life Center has had to transform itself Mm -hmm. in the way that it does the work that it does, which is life-saving. And um, we do that with a great team of people Mm -hmm. and folks who never forget why they exist. Absolutely agree. And it really has, it has been a trying year and yet Life Center and, and donation in general has, has continued to increase, which to me has just been amazing in the midst of these obstacles and trying to manage, you know, through a pandemic and um, hospital protocols changing. Uh, I really think that that it's somewhat miraculous that that was able to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. I do as well, but if you think about it, it goes back to the history of Life Center, right? Life Mm -hmm. Center has been working for years to make people more aware of the the ability that they have to give the gift of life. And because of that community focus and the community education that Life Center is noted for and so really good at and the great relationships that Life Center and the team has built with organizations all across this community. People are able to, even in the worst times like this pandemic, figure out a way that something that can be very, very tragic Mm -hmm. um, turns into something that is meaningful and allows them to really recognize what their loved one's wishes were, or if they didn't understand what they were, to give a gift that is something that they can be and feel comfort in for the rest of their lives. Yes, yes, yes. We are definitely grateful for all of our hospital partners throughout throughout the our service area because just to be able to, you know, facilitate organ, eye, and tissue donation um, and, mm-hmm. you know, help folks realize that they're able to help others when they're no longer here. It's just, you know, it really is the mission is it's always top of mind. So, so with that, you have, as you said, you've been a part of our board and have been board president for it's the last 11 years or so. Almost 11 years. Yeah. Yes. Which in, in my time, that's the longest tenure president we've ever had. And we, we never want you to leave. I've told you that. Thank you. <laughs> but talk about what, why are you passionate about donation and transplantation? Right. Well, you know, here, here I'm a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. And so at the core of what I am all about, it's really how do I help people, right? And Our organization, our mission is to improve the health of our community by creating value for patients. And what that means is we try and think about every way that we possibly can to help them have the best healthful existence that they can. Mm -hmm. Transplant is one way to do that because it is very difficult to live when organs are failing, right? Mm-hmm. And there are lots of negative sequelae that happen as a result of that, not the least of which is their inability to carry on what you and I normally do every day. Mm-hmm. We are able to go out, we are able to take care of ourselves, we are able to interact with our family members, 
we can go on trips, we can have wonderful careers. And many people who have organ failures of any kind mm -hmm. are not able to fully experience what life is all about. Right. And so I am passionate about this because one way to help people is to ensure that when they experience those very critically difficult situations with their health, where they're unable to take full advantage of what life has to offer, we have to figure out a way to help them. Right. And transplant is a way to do that. Right. I also think that, you know, medicine in general continues to evolve. And if we have an answer to a problem, we should maximize our ability to use that tool to make people's lives better. And transplantation is a way to do that mm -hmm. um, so that people can live a better and more fuller life. Absolutely. Absolutely. During the pandemic, did that affect patients waiting for kidney transplants at Christ Hospital? Yes, unfortunately it does because when you think about it, there are certain criteria that donors have to be able to meet. And with the new virus, which none of us before, let's just say December of 2019 knew anything about, people were very tenuous about whether or not um, they would be eligible to donate. Right. And then once we started learning a little bit more about it, our scientists didn't really understand what its effect might be. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yes, every new disease, every new infection that comes about in the United States can absolutely dramatically affect people's ability to give the gift of life. Right, right. One of the trends that I've noticed during my time here at Life Center is that living kidney donation continues to increase. And so with Christ Hospital being a kidney only transplant center, mm -hmm. what, what would you, do you have any thoughts about why we're seeing more people making that choice to be living kidney donors? Well, you know, again, I think it goes back to education, Andy. Obviously, what people now realize is that giving the gift of life doesn't mean that you as a donor can't do the things that you used to do. Right. And so because the technologies of what we are capable of doing and the wonderful expertise of our physicians and the great education that organizations like Life Center provide, there's a greater awareness now that it is possible to donate organs mm -hmm. as a living donor and still live the same life that you've always lived. Right. And um, I, it's just so gratifying to watch families or quite frankly, non-family members who are willing to give that gift of life and help someone else to have a better life. Right, right. I was um, I had the opportunity to interview a young woman who's actually waiting for a kidney and she's listed at Christ and she just she could not say enough about what a, a 
positive experience it has been with with her team at Christ and, and walking her through this donation process. You know, even in the midst of a pandemic and she's had some other health challenges. And so I just wanted to say that as a, <laughs> you know, because I hear that quite a bit, but um, just recently received more of that that feedback. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, Andy, one of the things that I think is is really important and, and people ask for statistics all the time, but mm-hmm. in the latest numbers that I can find, there are about 750,000 people a year in the United States that have kidney failure. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people, right? Yeah. And if you think about that, if we could get a transplant for every single one of those patients when they needed it, Mm-hmm. wouldn't that really, the impact that that would make in the United States would be incredible. Right. I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think it's encouraging that we're seeing an increase in more people making the decision to be tested to be a living kidney donor, because I think then that that helps, you know, that we could possibly one day get to a place where all of the folks that need those transplants are able to get them. And, you know, it's being met through both deceased and living donation. But I think, as you said, it's about education and outreach. You know, there's still still a lot of fear that exists in communities of color in particular about what it means to donate organs. And so that just, there's a lot of work that we still have to continue to do um, and just really helping people understand what it means to to make that decision to help 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 their fellow man. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, about 95% of adults in the United States, based on the recent surveys I saw, support organ donation. Mm-hmm. But only 54% are actually registered donors. Right. That that is a frightening thought when you think about the numbers that I just talked about, 750,000 people who have kidney disease, all of which have the potential to need a kidney transplant. At any given time, there are up to 4,000 people waiting for a heart and or a heart lung transplant. Mm -hmm. Those those are numbers that are just staggering when you think about it. And then I don't even have at my fingertips the number of people waiting for cornea transplants or who are in need of tissue or, you know, eye donation. The numbers are staggering. Yes. Yes. And it just over about a year's time, there there are probably a million plus surgeries that occur in the country requiring donor tissue, which to me is very interesting. And Christ Hospital also has the Joint and Spine Institute, which is just provides amazing care um, to their patients. And so that is yet another opportunity that people have to help others is through the gift of tissue donation, which again, in in our education and outreach efforts, that's something that we spend a lot of time talking with people about because they don't realize the the capacity in which they are able to potentially help other people through the gift of life. It's not just organ, it's tissue, it's cornea. So... Yes. And through those, I mean, again, people are giving back sight to someone or people are enabling people to walk without pain or, you know, to recover from a burn. Or I can think of, you know, many other uses. And what an amazing thing to be able to say, 
that I was able to help or my family member was able to help so many. Right, right. It really definitely is an opportunity, I think, to leave leave a legacy. It really is. We recently had a young woman who was a a volunteer and ambassador and had shared her story and she'd been waiting for a kidney for about three years. And unfortunately she passed away, uh, but she was able to be a cornea donor. And it just, it meant so much to her husband and young daughter that, you know, you know, they, they, they're like, she's a hero. She was able to do this um, even in the midst of her battling her own health challenges and, and not getting that call in time. And so it really is an awesome legacy that, that people can leave. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, the other thing when, when you talk about that, so, you know, every year we have, as you said, we are able here at the Christ Hospital to do kidney transplants and we're very honored to be able to provide that service. About 500,000 people a year are on dialysis. 500,000 Americans on dialysis. Wow. That is a life-altering treatment, usually three times a week, four hours a day. That is a life-altering, life-changing way to manage a disease. Kidney transplants are a cure for that 500,000 people. Absolutely. 500,000 people, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, to, to speak about that, I, I didn't realize it, it was that many people on dialysis. And that is just staggering to me. Um, mm-hmm. But you talk with these patients and I mean, it really, you know, three days a week, four hours a day, it really takes so much out of them. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's really, you're not living at that point. You're really just trying to get through, you know, get through the day and and exist. And to be able to have that second chance to, you know, realize the life and, you know, begin living again is, is monumental. And that's why, you know, we need to be having these conversations so that people really understand um, the impact and how they can, they can help other people. Exactly. So, so another question that I have, could you talk about uh, who and or what experience has helped to shape you into the leader that you have become? You know, um, Andy, that's a really great, great question. So thank you for asking. It's also a hard question. You know, I go back to the people who have been my mentors and my um, friends, right? And I have had the opportunity to learn from some of the most phenomenal medical leaders in the country. And, you know, I also, you know, give a lot of credit to my parents because my parents and my grandparents and the way that you are brought up teaches you how to treat people. And, you know, my father to this day, works harder than I do. His work is different now, but when I was growing up, he talked to us about having a work ethic that would make any organization proud to have you as their employee. And the great physicians that I've worked with have have taught me, you know, how to make sure that we deliver exceptional care. And, uh, the great administrators that I've worked with have, have taught me 
and given me opportunities to lead and sometimes fail, mm-hmm. um, but they've always helped pick me up and uh, help me to be a better me. And so I don't know that it's one person. It's been numerous people mm-hmm. that have helped me. That's wonderful. And to just to have that, that community of, of individuals that have allowed you to succeed and fail and keep, keep moving forward, I think mm-hmm. is so important. So what, what advice might you give to someone who is just starting out in their, in their career in healthcare? And maybe they, they aspire to lead a healthcare system down the road. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting question, Andy. (laughs) Um, So here's what I would say in any career, you have to be a lifelong learner. That's the first thing. Absolutely. And um, the reason for that is, is because the science of today isn't, is going to be different in probably record time. When you think about the amazing ability of this uh, country to have a vaccine in such a very short time. And and people um, will say to you, well, you know, they hurried it through, but that's not really true. That was 30 years of research that allowed us to have an answer to a problem that we, we can now get rid of, or at least almost get rid of it. And that wouldn't have been possible if there weren't great scientists and people didn't constantly learn. So I would say, number one, is be a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. Number two, I would say, always work hard. Because again, organizations will give you the chance if you are willing to take the chance and demonstrate that you're willing to be part of delivering on whatever their mission is. Mm-hmm. Number three, I would say, and this is a, a something that I live by every day, never give up. I have a, a cup that sits on my desk and it says, never give up, never give up, never get up, give up. It's filled with candy so that when people... <laughs> come in here and they need a little help. We look at that cup and say, what does it say? It says, never give up. That's right. And, you know, my father taught me the last two things that I would say, always have respect for the humanness of every individual because everyone comes to the table with a different set of talents and a a different perspective and a different way of thinking. And that's important. And then the other thing he taught me was always to do the right thing and be willing to stand up for what the right thing is. And so, you know, for those who are starting out in the profession, I would say those are four or five really important philosophies that I have that hopefully will be helpful to others. Those really, really resonate with me. So I'm just going to walk through them one more time for our listeners. Mm -hmm. Be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Work hard. Never give up. That always reminds me of Jim Valvano, who was a basketball coach who passed away a few years ago. And I love this one. Respect the humanness of every individual. I mean, that just, I don't know, that just really, really resonates with me Mm -hmm. Um, because it's so true because you can't, you can't walk into a room and, you know, expect just maybe because you're the expert or you're in this level of this position that you know the right answer. It's it's important to be in a space where you're 
respecting each person's perspective and opinion and what they're bringing to the table in order to find the solution to whatever the issue of of that moment might be. Mm-hmm. And then always do the right thing, which mm-hmm. so I think that is great advice. Great advice. Thank you. Yeah. There's one last one. <laughs> okay. I'll and that, take it. And that is never take no as the final answer. Never take no as the final answer. Love that. Some some wish that I didn't have that philosophy. <laughs> Hey, you know what? That's, I think it's important. I think it's a great philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So in terms of donation and transplant, what, what's encouraging to you in this, in this space right now, or what, what, what do you find to be encouraging? Yeah. You know, what I find is really encouraging, Andy, and you know, I've seen this over the past 18 or 19 months during this COVID pandemic. You know, you really see the goodness in people. And what encourages me about transplantation is that there are more people talking about it. Mm -hmm. It is much more visible in the media. We have champions for donation that are across all walks of life, all nationalities, all religions, all age groups who are sharing their stories and influencing others to think about how they can really and truly make an impact on their communities. And we hear those heart-wrenching stories every time, especially when there is a loss of a loved one. But what I also see is the lifting up of those families after donation when they can understand that although they had a tragic loss in their life, um, they were able to impact many more on the other end of that spectrum. And then for those that are willing to give of themselves during their lifetime through living donation, the relationships and the bonding and and the just the absolute love for another human being is so impactful when you watch that happen. And so I'm excited that the number of people who are willing to donate because they sign those donor registration, answer those questions when they register or when they're getting their um, license, that number continues to climb. And the more people that do that, the more we will continue to have dialogue and the more transplants we will be able to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I definitely echo that. I just, I think that there's, just so much more conversation and stories being shared about lives impacted. What has, what's really encouraged me is uh, a few years ago, I learned about the kidney champion program at Christ hospital. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think that is such a tremendous tool to support patients going through this kind of battle, this kind of healthcare battle, to know that they've got this champion with them who is helping them to tell their story, get their message out there, and just letting people know, hey, this person needs help. Would you consider? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I think we've come so far, you know, as, as a community and a society that we're willing to talk about 
the things, you know, that really need to be talked about and, and truly ask for help and be vulnerable. So I just, I, I think that's such a great program. And I think, you know, it's going to help save more lives. And again, the stories that are being shared about people who've given the gift through living donation or deceased donation. I think the paired kidney exchange program is just, again, I'm always in awe of, of how technology and medicine continues to grow and evolve, but the, the paired kidney exchange program is just awesome to me. I mean, it's so creative. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it allows people across the country who are complete strangers for each other and who have difficult have difficulty getting transplanted, it's a way that everyone wins. Everyone wins. Absolutely. And long chains of people who are connected in a way that is really something quite fantastic. It really is. It, it, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else as we conclude that you would like to add? You know, Again, first of all, Andy, thank you for allowing me to be part of this today. I, I, I know that you know this, and I hope those that are listening know this. Life Center is an amazing organization, and there are amazing people like Andy who work every day on behalf of the community that they serve. And it's not an easy job, but you all do it with such passion and such love and such devotion that... I hope everyone will listen to the message and internalize the message because, again, we can save lives every day through a very large gift. Um, And that gift of life will change the way many people in our community live their lives. And so I am very grateful for the Life Center team. I'm very grateful for all of those that support Life Center and support donation. And all I can say is everyone get out there and sign up to be a donor. And uh, if you have people that aren't, contact our Life Center staff so that they can help to uh, spread the word if you aren't able to. Absolutely. Very, very well said. Thank you. So as I close today's show, there are 106,840 men, women, and children in need of life-saving organ transplants. And more than 90,000 of those are in need of a life-saving kidney transplant. These are massive, massive numbers, and they represent the human beings who are in great need. These are people who live in our community, uh, their children, their grandchildren, spouses, partners, just trying to live a purposeful, purposeful and fulfilling lives and perhaps leave this world a better place for all of us and for generations to come. So what can we do now? Well, if you're not already a donor, you can register today at lifepassiton.org or registerme.org or at your local BMV when you're renewing your driver's license or state ID. And you can also seek out information and do your research, research that is based on fact and understand what that decision truly means and how it can impact other people. You can speak to a medical professional or someone who's actually gone through the experience um, as either being a recipient or a living donor, or maybe someone's loved one gave the gift of life and they, that, that family member can speak to what that meant to them. 
Um, you can also learn about being a living kidney donor, because as I said, the vast majority of the people waiting are in need of a life-saving kidney transplant. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please be kind to yourself and to others. This episode is brought to you by LifeCenter. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. Go to lifepassiton.org for more information. Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow. 